Good evening, dear friends, uh, and uh, welcome on our She Leader in a Show uh, event, the monthly event that already for two years uh, uh, we are driving. It was born in the lockdown, and uh, uh, we like it so much, uh, this digital format, and had such a broad public that we've decided to continue it uh, and uh, to really present and introduce uh, before the European audience uh, and why not worldwide audience, uh, the uh, female leaders uh, that uh, uh, have uh, uh, had a trace uh, with what they are doing. My special guest tonight uh, is a good friend, I would say. Uh, this is Sasha Lipman. Uh, she is the founder of Tech to Impact uh, uh, company. And uh, what is Tech to Impact? She will tell us a bit later uh, in more details, but just uh, to uh, start uh, with, uh, this is a global digital hub for impact tech champions. Uh, and uh, it connects in a network more than 500 founders, mentors, accelerators, and investors all around the world, from the USA to Australia. And uh, what I'm observing already for more than a year is uh, uh, how Tech to Impact has grown, uh, supporting the ecosystem uh, that thrives and uh, uh, help growing uh, Impact Tech uh, ventures. We'll talk a lot about Impact uh, tonight. I hope that the world would uh, uh, speak uh, a lot about uh, Impact because that's what we uh, need today. Uh, maybe uh, something that I don't want to mention because eventually Sasha will not uh, do it herself. Uh, Sasha was recognized as uh, a European uh, female startup uh, uh, leaders by Siftit, uh, and uh, of course, uh, that's very reputable uh, stage that gives an extra recognition of uh, her effort. And uh, prior to this uh, important initiative, uh, uh, she has launched the Impact Growth uh, uh, Hacking Accelerator and has also organized a global pitch competition. Sasha is uh, based in Vienna. Uh, and of course, he's connected globally. Uh, welcome, Sasha. I'm extremely, extremely happy that you are uh, with us tonight. And I'm sure many people will take good lessons out of your experience and uh, wisdom. Uh, but uh, let's start with uh, uh, what you're doing uh, very passionately. Tell us more about uh, Tech to Impact uh, initiative. You've started only a year ago. And uh, you are growing uh, very, very uh, fast. Uh, tell us more what Tech to Impact uh, is. Sure, happy to do so. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be present in this lovely event. And I'm very grateful to be actually working with you as a movie G as one of our initial supporters in CE, which is great to be able also to share the stage together with you and to put our conversations one-on-one -on -one to public. Uh, which is a great opportunity um so yeah check to impact yeah it's been sounds like not a long time ago but feels like it's been years because <laughs> a lot of things happen a lot of things changed um so in a nutshell what we are doing as you already mentioned it, it's a digital hub 
why we are calling ourselves Hop and not the network on accelerator because we want to envision the space where everyone who is involved in impacts in, in use technology to create impact can actually come together in this semi virtual space um, and co work together and create positive impact through partnerships, through working with each other, so through funding and so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, in a nutshell, um, what is our aim? Uh, what's our mission? Is making impact tech the new norm. The reason why we are having this mission is, uh, let's say this way, uh, years of frustration on my side being in tech ecosystem, where impact tech was put under nonprofit umbrella or unscalable umbrella or even worse, unprofessional umbrella. And I know a lot of great impact tech ventures and tech to impact startups themselves and the members we have are a fantastic proof of it that impact tech startups can actually be scalable, can be for profit and create really significant change. And therefore, our aim is to surround them with everything they need to scale their impact, whether this being connections to each other and learning from each other, support from mentors and different experts all over the world to address their issues or actual access to funding or even more uh, different opportunities globally to scale what they do. So this is our goal in a nutshell. Of course, I can talk for hours about what exactly we do, but maybe we can pause here. <laughs> Uh, but tell me what is your impression, because uh, for many people, impact is classified as a CSR program of the corporations that support certain initiatives. And um, I'm observing uh, recently that more and more uh, people are either transforming their businesses uh, into impact uh, direction uh, or impact uh, technology, technological uh, businesses started to be recognized also as uh, fundable ventures. Uh, that's good to share based on your experience. Uh, definitely. I mean, from the where we started to where we are now, even in one and a half years, a lot of things change. I think, sadly, COVID is one of the reasons because it was a very strong call to action for the society that something is really off and it's also you know showcased all the cracks and issues and dark holes we haven't seen in society and in our planet uh, because now with all the things being more visible with what happened after COVID, people started noticing it so i think this is definitely one of them um, but you know what we're always saying in tech to impact there is a reason why we are not using the social impact phrase together because it comes with a good or bad baggage of stigma around it the same with environmental impact and of course there's so much impact washing greenwashing it totally makes sense why um, but what do we always say is if you look at the tech startups or any entrepreneurs the reason why they create their ventures is to solve the problem we just decide to work with the ones who solve the actual problem <laughs> the ones which are a bit beyond oneself and the ones which are actually more crucial and more urgent than let's say building another dating platform so to say no offense to dating platforms god bless them but still um that's kind of indirection and also what we always um what i like to bring as an example is an impact management project definition of impact and the three types of them where they define it very well they say there is the first one, when you act to avoid harm, so this is type A, which is you as a person or as a company, you have impact by default, positive, negative, both. 
And the first step is to be more impact driven is to try to avoid the harm you're creating. Whether in the next category is really presenting, it's called B, benefit stakeholders, is when you're aimed and you're close surrounding your employees, your customers, someone you can help and to create a bit better change in your network, in your circle. And of course, type C, which is the ones we are working tech to impact are the ones who are contributing to solutions, which are a bigger scale. So by default, every company has an impact, whether they label it or not. That's what we're always saying. So just I think now where people are looking more into and seeing more the issues of the world, of course, the percentage in comparison to 100% of everything happening in business space is not that big, uh, but definitely people start paying attention more due to COVID, due to climate change. And sadly, we only start paying attention to things when they get popular. So now everything is a bit more popular in this case, and that's something we also notice that the issues which are on the other side are not yet popular, therefore not yet investable by opinion of majority founders. Uh, you've mentioned uh, COVID or anti-COVID uh, solutions or measurement visibility of uh, tracking uh, health, uh, climate. Uh, uh, do you have uh, EdTech um, startups that are in your group? Can you uh, share with us more what is the profile of companies and uh, what type of uh, solutions uh, they are addressing? just uh, the umbrella picture. Sure, happy to do so. So in tech to impact as of now, since the moment we started, which was May last year, it's more than 230 founders and they are all across SDGs. So yes, we definitely have percentages which SDGs covered more, not because of our focus or something, it just happened. We opened the doors and it happened as people came from, uh, from that side. I can definitely tell you that there is a even by SDG progress report, there's still quite lack in some SDG solutions in tech, uh, because as mentioned, it's not popular enough. Uh, but in terms of ad tech in particular, um, we do have solutions. They are not born because of COVID at all. So they have been there before and they just became more popular during COVID because they needed to be more accessible. Um, so if, for example, we're looking in ad tech, we have interesting startup from Pakistan and similar one from Tunisia um, who are addressing the dyslexic education. So how actually to make it more inclusive and more comfortable for people with dyslexia, especially kids to be able to learn faster and in their own pace. Or for example, kids with HAD, um, when we have a startup in Austria who uses um, technology to actually improve their learning experience and improve their fast paced learning compared to where they are now. So to give you some example from all over the world. Uh -huh. Actually, I know you can speak uh, about uh, the initiative for a long time, but um, uh, can you share with us why you started this initiative? I remember uh, when you've been uh, framing uh, the concept and uh, you achieved a lot for this uh, relatively short time for one and a half years, really big success, but what motivated yeah. you? to uh, create this global hub. And to give a bit of background, I used to work in an organization called ISEC, which is the Youth Leadership Development Movement, which existing in more than 70 years. And this is, I think, where the impact part was really inherited because it's a global network and global community itself. Um, and after that, after like doing a lot of volunteering and creating positive change, I landed in startup ecosystem accidentally and started working in tech, which also fascinated me, how much can you do with technology and how much you can really create. Uh, but then there was always, you know, this background 
collapse inside me. It's like something is not working out, something is off because technology is great, but what the solutions are built for are completely wrong. And I think that's after some conferences and events where I went to or another pitching competition and another accelerator presented their batches, um, I realized that system is broken in terms of the, the startups you're selecting and the startups which get showcased in media or get funding are not the ones who need the attention more urgently and more uh, vividly. And that was one of the reasons. And before that, before starting Tech to Impact, it's also the stigma reduction, which unlearning, which I went through, because I also thought, okay, if the whole ecosystem says is impact is fluffy or only nonprofit, maybe this is true. Until I started working with startups who don't want to label themselves impact for that particular reason, but they create positive change, they have a profit model, and we had a chance to accelerate two of them. And one of them said to me, I came all the way from Lebanon to Austria to be in this program. Why don't you do this? openly digitally and back then I was, it was 2019 or 2018 I was like no no one will participate in online programs <laughs> who would know right um, but then we said okay if these people need us to be space to be heard and this is actually something where a lot of our members said to us when we invited them to join they were like oh finally I feel I belong because in tech space they think I'm too fluffy in impact space, they think I'm not impactful enough because I only focus on technology and business parts and evil and all of those things. So that's why I think the reason for it for me personally was to bring this, which I call little army of change makers, which is now we will be bigger soon and uh, to to work together and to really create a powerhouse where we can push it further and change the agenda and make this new norm. And where do you get the support uh, for this program? Because uh, uh, to be a founder of uh, 40 founders uh, is quite a mission. Um, who is uh, giving a hand uh, besides most probably certain sustainable financial sustainability uh, mechanisms that you've created? Oh, a lot. I think that's our strength. We are able to bring people together to work together and create impact. So first of all, team. I'm very lucky. I always say that my biggest asset and tech team, but biggest asset is a team. We are a team of 15 people all, all over the world and somehow all digital nomads or global citizens because we have people who, for example, like me, I'm from Ukraine based in Austria. We have people who are from Syria based in Sweden, right? So it's very random group in terms of nationalities, but very international and very talented. And we have a very clear definition of how we work together. And it's my biggest pleasure of having these people on board. So I think that's one thing. And of course, in terms of other mechanisms, we work with a lot of mentors. So different experts all over the world who help out founders and also partners like you with MoveBG um, all over the world who are also supporting us into making impact tech the new norm by them selecting actually impact tech startups and normalizing the conversation. Well, actually, some of our partners like Startup Wise Guys who are a global accelerator, when we started talking with them, they were exploring the topic of sustainability. And it actually resulted that now they have two sustainability accelerators in different countries running smoothly. And I think it's a very good positive change. And I can see this, the change of the commitment from different ex partners. Um, and yeah, I would say founders themselves. If, if talking about me personally, I get a lot of energy from tech founders we have in the ecosystem because I love having the one-on-one -on -one chats with them and getting to know them because it, it feels so exciting. Like you're discovering a hidden gem somewhere in the rocks and you're like, yeah, you found it. I can get to my collection. And that's exactly how I would say the energy is flow flowing from them, definitely. 
And what is the end game? Where do you want to uh, to go? Uh, That's a very good drugs. question. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned so we achieved a lot. By the way, thank you for saying it. Noticing that we have achieved a lot. It's also as a founder sometimes hard hard to retrospect yourself and see how much was done. I think the cool thing about us is that our mission is what drives us, and it's not just on paper. And that's why we are pivoting a lot and creating different products because we are trying to address the needs of the startups as much as possible. Where do we see it's going? <laughs> I let's say this way. I wish in a few years when any impact tech venture globally will either be started or will be growing, they would know that they can go to tech to impact, open the doors and get everything they need to grow. That's the, that's the mission. So actually being the powerhouse for driving impact tech solutions globally. Uh, do you believe uh, that uh, soon there will be a special uh, impact uh, funds uh, more accessible? Because uh, we have obviously some impact uh, ventures initiatives, but uh, compared to the normal investment uh, markets, they are marginal. So obviously, if they are founders uh, and startups, uh, uh, to become really successful ventures, they would need uh, to get uh, recognition by the uh, financial markets. And uh, given the uh, type of business, very often they are not the preferred uh, companies to invest in. So um, how you um, involve yourself or tech to impact into this topic? Um, thanks for asking that because we literally launched yesterday our investors network. So that's one thing we want to bring together the investors who have a commitment to impact tank that they need to be impact funds by default. And I think it's actually the future way of going uh, because it's amazing when we have impact dedicated fully funds. Uh, but I truly believe that you don't, don't need to be an impact investing fund to invest in impact tech startups. I think that's just a narrative change where what do you expect as a return? Um, I guess with impact tech startups, as you know, now I really liked how Harvard and Northkin Foundation, they introduced the impact weighted accounts where it's calculated what's your impact on the environment inside your book, so to say, in the accounting. And I think this is one gigantic step of change in the narrative, right? Because if you're always focused on financial returns, which don't get me wrong, I think it's totally okay. That's how capitalism works. And, and don't get me started how, how capitalism is broken, but that's another story. And I think we, don't, can, we cannot get rid of it so fast. Uh, but I think it's about mixed capital. So for example, one of our first investor partners who is a venture capital in Netherlands, they invest more than 2 million plus in the ticket size. They are not labeling themselves as impact investing funds, but they are investing in impact tech. So it's something which I think is the future when we will stop calling it impact tech and it will be a regular norm of investment where you calculate both financial, social, and environmental returns as a default of what you expect. And of course, in this case, the, the, the wages would be more into impact tech because they can offer more than just money. And I think that's as soon as we can change that as a must-have narrative that you're actually focusing on having this element as your plan I think that's where the, the whole funding scheme and the whole financial market will be able to massively change. Because if you will start making people, you know, have this guilt blame of, oh, you're investing in something not, which is not impactful, I think the future is the mixed portfolio. It's okay if it's not impactful business, not every business needs to create impact. Um, but in general, I think the mixed portfolio is the way to go in the future.
Um, but when we speak about uh, mixed portfolio, uh, impact business uh, sometimes uh, uh, has a kickstart in uh, purely impact initiatives. This can be run by non-profit or by individual uh, groups, even non-formal. Uh, and community concept is uh, uh, master of the of the game today. Uh, so, uh, do you uh, accommodate uh, within your network also impact um, initiatives, or strictly this is a business uh, uh, playing field? And let's say it this way: as we want to change the narrative that impact is only non-profit, we are focused on the ones who are for profit to show that this goes hand in hand. As we always say, it's not about calling them impact. You can call clean tech and health tech impact tech. It's the same. Uh, not in all cases, but a majority, of course. Um, and that's why we focus on the ones who are for profit. Uh, but sometimes we have exceptions which we are making when it's a fantastic solution technology. They just don't want to make profit with that. So it's a choice. For example, in Germany, it's easier to make this choice because you have a particular legal framework for it to be a non-profit business itself. Uh, I think globally, it's not yet <laughs> adopted at all. So for example, we accepted them because technology is fantastic. And they just, as the founders, they don't want to create profit with that. Um, in terms of impact initiatives, like other NGOs, we do involve them as partners if it's relevant uh, to actually connect them with tech solutions, which can unite their powers and scale what they're doing together, uh, which I think is a fantastic match because we always think to make a bigger scalable impact, you need to work with corporates. But I think we completely forget that with NGOs and their access to market, you can do a gigantic impact too. Um, so, yeah, we are focused on for profits, but we do accept um, the ones who are non-profit in terms of supporting them, yes. Uh, but tell me uh, what you are doing or what is your opinion on how we can uh, uh, just spread the uh, word about uh, those uh, really very, very um, impactful initiatives that uh, may serve uh, um, much larger number of people in the world uh, because uh, my impression and I'm very much involved with the startup ecosystem is that uh, fantastic uh, technological uh, solutions uh, they stay locally recognized and uh, eventually someone uh, in the other part of the world comes to the same idea and goes the same path and loses same way I can imagine, and I'm very much encouraged that a global hub like yours can uh, eventually meet uh, those guys to collaborate and to continue ahead. Is this part of the uh, of the work that you are doing, or hap this happening naturally, or is not happening at all? I would say more naturally, um, because. It was still in business space, right? So people sometimes, as much as impactful everyone is, uh, it's still business, it's still competition. And considering the amount of couple calculating solutions we have in, in the world popping up like mushrooms after the rain, I think they all consider themselves competitors. But the environment which we are trying to create, it has more elements of partnerships and collaborations versus competition. That's why we have a lot of on paper competitors in our ecosystem who actually know each other and even get introduced through us. Um, I do believe that collaboration is the way to go, but I also realistically understand people are afraid of the competition. They're not always able to switch this collaboration mindset in their mind. 
Uh, that's why, for example, we are trying to be a showcase example to them by having our own program, but still working with more than 50 accelerators globally to showcase that you do need to be competitor. You can actually collaborate and cross exchange startups and things like that. Uh, we do have some of them who are collaborating. It's very nice. They actually found each other through one of the meetings or one of the events we were hosting. Uh, but something which you want to introduce in the future is more SDG-based conversations, right? So, for example, if you're all in ad tech, we have a meetup for all the ad tech startups to share their insight and their learnings and where the industry is going. Now, this is definitely something we will be moving further with in 2022, I think. Uh, in my experience, it is working. Uh, it takes a little bit of moderation and the encouragement uh, of people and uh, obviously, um, bringing them together if they belong to one field. But uh, uh, I very much believe in the uh, communities uh, of, uh, that drive uh, same, that have same purpose. Uh, and uh, speaking about uh, the broken capitalism, uh, to <laughs> quote you, um, my uh, expectation is uh, that in the future we will go more and more into collective uh, wisdom, uh, into shared uh, economic solutions, especially in the impact field. Uh, what is your view on this? I'm the same page as you here. <laughs> Let's say it's as they have this saying, it's a pink dream, which is, to be fair, I think it will take time to get there. And it's okay. I mean, we cannot be all for impact. We cannot be all just focused on this. I think, you know, as a was in one very good Russian book, it was a saying, you cannot see light without a shadow, which I think is the same, you know, in terms of impact and non-impact. How can like how can we continue fixing the world if there is nothing to fix? And I don't think we will unfortunately be able to reach SDGs by 2030. And to be fair, by the moment we reach them, they will be already outdated because there are so many other issues which popped up right now. Um, but I think the, the way that even sustainable development goals as an example, how collective work and on all the levels from United Nations to governments, to corporates, to small businesses, to NGOs, how everyone have the same, let's say, language of what, what they are aiming to. I think this is the one very big step of putting everyone on the same page. And as catastrophic as climate change is, it's also the same as COVID has a positive element of uniting people, right? Unfortunately, as any human creatures, we are more good in uniting with each other under threat, which I think we unfortunately have a bunch of them coming up soon, economically, environmentally, socially. And I think I agree with you. That's the way to go. Collaboration, because if people stop, like, if we remove capitalism, I think capitalism is what drives competition because everyone is trying to get their piece of the puzzle from the market and make sure that they have enough on their plate. And I think as soon as this will not be the main driver of the ecosystem and economy anymore, which will take time to get there, then people will think differently. But until we are driven by, let's say, even in the startup scene, it honestly drives me crazy sometimes how in the fantastic startup media, the only thing they talk about is how much who raised, which in the end of the day, it's literally about how good you're in selling your, your business to investors. It's not about the impact you create. And we have amazing mentors and one of my favorite ones, he, we had the first session in our mentorship program, we focused on fundraising. And he said one thing, which I think changed a lot of minds for the startups who participated. He said to them, you need to understand that there is more than enough money in the world. There is not enough great solutions. 
So it's not you who need to chase investors, it's investors who need to chase you because you are their opportunity to multiply capital. And as soon as you know someone said this to them, you can see immediately you know how this like light in the in the head popping up that oh wait, maybe yes, right? Because I think it's something we keep on forgetting that it's not the power of the people who have money in their accounts or people who got rich through some God knows logic, but the power is in the people who are actually able to unite ecosystem, unite communities, and actually use their brain capital <laughs> to create a, any change, any success. And that's, I think, something where investors whom we work with, they always say, like, if you need to choose the one reason to invest, the most important one is always going to be team. So people in the end of the day. Yeah, I'm very happy you phrased it and framed it uh, in uh, such a good way because uh, that's the message that we need uh, repeatedly to uh, share and to spread in the uh, community because uh, uh, we are in time when uh, still old concepts are uh, the one that are um framed that are official and um, obviously the emerging new is coming but uh, not yet uh, uh, institutionalized so um, there is a need to for preaching on uh, what will be this future while creating, uh, uh, creating <laughs> yeah 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 uh uh, we are at the venue of uh, female leaders and uh, you are one of them. Um, how many, because my impression is, correct me if you have a different one, that uh, if we compare the impact uh, businesses, uh, there are more women that uh, uh, would rather go and uh, become founders uh, in the impact space compared to, let's say, deep tech or traditional um, uh, business. What is the ratio between uh, male and female-led uh, ventures in your community? In the hub itself, uh, when we started, we were worried because there was not enough female capital, but then three months later, we were like, okay, it's fine. Um, so right now it's not 50-50, um, but I think at least 40-60, 40, um, 40 female and 60 male. Um, and I think I'm going to challenge a bit the mindset of impact versus deep tech because we have amazing impact deep tech startups <laughs> who are led by women. So I think it's not about the technology level. Um, we actually have a very interesting story about one founder who is from Spain and it's a startup called Metaspace. And I love this girl. She's like super strong leader and it's very techy. Like she started explaining me something. I'm like, you lost me. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. And she said to me, she's like, I once talked to an investor who of course did the do do this just saw that they already looked in the space because what they're doing is a um, machine learning based SaaS software um, focused on preventing the work sexual harassment. Super cool. They're doing an amazing job and they, they have been on the market already for almost two years. And one of the investors asked her is like something, something very stupid on technology side. And she was like, do you understand that I have a technological degree <laughs> that this is like first year of conversation? And they were like, oh, sorry, yeah, but and then she's like, yeah, I built this technology, it's me, it's not the third party, it's me. And I think this is where the narrative goes wrong, you know, like girls cannot do business, girls cannot do tech. This is not anymore true, it's never have been true. It's just the box we were putting in the way in some, somewhere or another. But to answer your question, uh, why there is more women in impact space? Because by default, 
we as let's say women by the way we are and the who we are and the all let's say genetical things and the like hormonal things it's not nothing bad that we can be hormonal in the way we are more um likely to to be relating to social issue or to care more than the men are because it's a completely located man driven by achievement success capitalism i'm not saying that women are not but we are more likely to pay attention to social issues than men which is fine it's okay there's nothing bad about it maybe that's uh one uh, uh door to enter and to uh really overcome this big big uh, disharmony uh, on the investment market because at the moment only two percent of the investment money are going into female-led ventures so i believe that uh, while more and more businesses uh, will uh, develop this impact uh, this will also give naturally the space of, of uh, female-led uh, uh companies um to get resources uh, and to continue uh growing uh, but uh, let's see because um still as you said uh, there are prejudices that uh, we need to overcome and uh what is your view on this because uh, i already have an idea uh, for your ai uh uh for your uh, friend uh, that has an ai business uh, in tech addressing the sexual harassment uh to connect with uh similar uh initiative uh, uh here uh, where they work also some platforms that um, uh, profile the people and they don't call them uh, um, uh, victims but rather um show them the way how they can uh, uh, find uh, independence freedom and uh, and growth so let's maybe after afterwards connect yes. uh, the dots <laughs> on that level uh so but i wanted to um to ask you something uh something different uh, do you believe uh, that um mm, we can overcome this uh, still difference in the business society through quotas or uh, this is not something that is needed it's a big topic that intellectually engages uh, leadership uh, on european level uh, it is something that is uh, coming and going as a theme um, uh, yeah so how the general uh, question is more uh, how we can find a solution and resolution of uh, of uh, this uh, challenge, given the fact that uh, uh, world, especially in this uh, challenging moment, needs the talent of everybody, and uh, we should uh, really create uh, an environment and a space for people to uh, have a choice, independent from any. Uh, limitations, biases, uh, no matter if this is male-female or other dimension of diversity, uh, the diversity presence. I think let's let's do let's do the following. In terms of quotas, it's a double-edged coin. Uh, from one side, I think we definitely need to introduce it even more and make it semi-mandatory why because i really don't like this oh she was put as a woman because there is a quota now 
which happens and i saw that i'm like excuse me she was there because she's the best candidate but well you know it's not what the happy will perceive it i think the whole anti-bias hiring or anti-bias selection and the, all the mechanism in place which are created right now, right now for that is the future uh, because i think even everyone it's like biases everyone has them it's not a bad thing or a good thing it's just how you are growing up, right? You're you're like this hitchhawk who, who takes different fruits which he can carry, right? Which he or she or she finds on the way. Um, but I think the issue with quotas is that as good as as they can be, they also create the other side where people irrationally try to be 50-50 just because they want to have gender balance, and it's not the way to go. I think the mixture between hiring people by their skills, no matter which gender or background they are or how they fit the team is the way to go. Um, for example, in the other line of our work, which is connected to responsible technology, we teach people in terms of how diversity is important in terms of tech, whether the team you're working on, the testing schemes of your product and so on and so forth. And one of our partners in Australia, who is the one of the PhD-based AI-focused researcher, uh, he always says to, to us, you don't need to be 50-50 if your company or your product doesn't require this. Diversity is a good element in terms of an add, not an add-on, it's a good base because the diverse team can create better results because there's different views and different experiences and different things. If you have everyone who studied in Harvard who is 25-year guys, they will have approximately the same experience in life. And therefore, the product will not be applicable to someone who is not them or at least a bit broader audience. So I think in the future, it's not about feminism, it's about diversity, because there is so much more than gender balance in comes to diversity, which is not accounted now, um, that in the future, I think that's the way to go. Not in terms of the quota, not in terms of 50-50 ratio, but ensuring that there is representation within your product of relevant things, right? If you're building a male-focused product, of course, have female on board, because it's good for diversity in different perspective, but they cannot relate to the product. But from another side, to give an interesting example, one of our startups, and this is my biases, so one of our startups from Spain uh, is doing mental health and well-being app for um, mothers who are in before and after birth. So this like very fragile, you know, one year, like a few months before and two or three years after. And the founder is a woman and her co-founder is male. And my prejudice when he joined the program and he was focused on storytelling and pitching mentorship, my question was to how can we let him pitch the female-based focused product on which he challenged me very well. He was like, having kids is not only a female issue. It involves everyone. He's like, I have sisters, I have kids, I have uh, my wife, I have girls for my, for, my, for my kids. I want them to have a good space for that. So I also part of the, part of the solution. So I think as soon as we will not label it as it's as, as loud uh, female leaders we have to scream about how mom, females need to be on this on the board or in the hiring process, I think it's a everyone's conversation of pushing diversity. And for example, we had this issue. Our team, Stack to Impact, in the beginning was all girls, and I was like, this is not the way to go, which is great, uh, but it's not the way to go because we don't have diversity. And it changed when we got uh, more guys on board. Way better now. Uh, listening to you, I can share that uh, I was exactly on your opinion um, until most probably five, six years ago. Uh, having myself a career in digital industry where obviously uh, girls are 
much smaller number uh, than men, but I was always very proudly sharing it is up to the talent. We don't want to discriminate it or to be given a special space. But uh, throughout the years, I've changed my opinion. And I'll tell you why, because uh, uh, things were not moving. In the big corporations, uh, you have uh, really targets for diversity. You have uh, uh, public events when where general managers are uh, really sharing how important it is uh, for them to have uh, women in the executive boards. But at the end of the day, if you look in the demographic within the company, uh, women are doing uh, more uh, support jobs and very mm -hmm. few makes yeah. it uh, to, to the top. So uh, it, it is something that uh, uh, requires uh, a special uh, interference uh, in and uh, my evolution uh, and opinion uh, today is that quotas on a management level, on executive on board level, is a temporary solution uh, for a couple of years until uh, there is an experience uh, about the impact and uh, need to uh, to and the, the value of having this diversity also on a high management level is something that will help and will encourage also more young women that uh, are not necessarily entrepreneurs but also uh, grow in their career to make bigger steps to take a risk. So uh, that's where I am today, and I'm not advising you to change your your opinion, but uh, is. Uh, uh, a good opportunity to to share because this is born from life. Let me, uh, I remember something. When we were opening uh, the Bulgarian Center of Women in Technology office, uh, we did it uh, in a newly uh, opened uh, co-working space. And uh, of course, I knew some of the uh, guys that uh, have been there and they see uh, 100, 120 solid women, human, <laughs> are coming for a big event. And uh, uh, after uh, we finished the event, uh, uh, informally, we talked to them and um, and they said, okay, Sasha, why you are making something for girls especially? Because of course I'm in the IT industry and they know me. Uh, I, uh, I said, because it's needed. They said, no, no, there is no need uh, to be a special center for women in technologies. Sure. And uh, I said, okay, and they've been in that time 25, 26 years old. I said, okay, uh, you have girlfriends, yes. Do you uh, like them uh, because they are intelligent, funny, and uh, they are a good, uh, good partner? Of course, of course. And how about uh, your girlfriend uh, to start uh, her own startup? Uh, would you support uh, her in the family uh, activities if tomorrow uh, you're living together? And he said, mm, I never thought about this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, that's what we are talking about. Even, even on this generation that is much more open, very supportive, uh, people of the bubble that are educated, they belong uh, to this generation, 
uh, some of the uh, yes and no's uh, from the uh, more conservative uh, yep. <laughs> uh, concepts uh, exist, and that's why, of course, we uh, we should do something about this. And uh, from your opinion, what this can be uh, done? What can be done in an effective way? Um. Okay, <laughs> it's like Pandora box. You know? uh, besides uh, quotas, where we are having different uh, different ways of thinking, but uh, what are the other ways for encouraging uh, more women to follow their dreams, to to make careers, to start businesses, to get support, to speak up? To that's uh, the yeah. the. Let's say there are a few ways. Um, so one of a good partner of ours and a good friend of mine um, from the company called The Female Factor. If you ladies haven't checked, it, take a look. Also global community. Um, she has been my personal support since day one uh, when I moved to Austria. So she's from Austria and she's one of those successful, you know, entrepreneurs who just tries different businesses and the one. And what they are aiming to and what they're doing um, is actually to promote this. They have the whole women rise each other uh, or lift each other up which is so true and so unfortunately not true and i, I recently read this study which says that uh, we're assuming that you now if you put more women in the leadership roles that they will buy unbiasedly hire more women but actually by the study it's even harder to convince a woman to support other women so it's a bit of a double-edged coin right so i think um, this, you know, bring your friend campaign, which I'm always joking, is that if you are in the leadership role as a female, it's on you to change the, the narrative and bring plus one more woman, at least one, to the conversation, or at least one to the role, or at least one lift, it, lift, lift her up. Um, and we had this discussion with her, and for example, there, will be no, there would have been no tech to impact if a friend of mine, who is also an entrepreneur, a female, uh, when I said to her, oh, wait, I have this idea, but I think I should wait until I'm 30, so I have enough experience or enough credibility. And she was like, no, just go for it. And if not her, you know, telling me, okay, I can do it and believing in me and saying, okay, I know you, you can do it. Just remove your fears and remove your stigma around yourself. I would not have been where I am now. And a lot of women supporting me on the way who were my examples of, hey, they can do it. That means I can do it too. And I think events like like you're organizing now, showing to girls that it's not it's not easy, but it's not something you should not risk or not try because you've been sad that you cannot do it. You've been sad that the women's place is at home, right? Or you've been sad that your girls can, of course, build a career by doing business is a very hard thing to do and only guys can do it. It is super hard. I think you can agree with me that running businesses and building it, it's hard, but it's hard for everyone. And I think it's just a lot of a, conversation even now I have with my parents where they're like, but maybe you should stop this because you don't sleep enough and you should go for some career because they will get paid more there. And I'm like, I can't, I had an offer literally a few months ago, I had an offer from the big bank who would pay me four or five times more, which I'm earning now to, to do, to do an interesting job. And I said, no, it's like, I cannot do any more something which doesn't have impact. And I think it's, it's a trade of, of having both right in a way. And I think, Fixing the issue of having more females on board in either companies or in businesses is by by normalizing it, by showing that you can do both. I think it's a, it's a very interesting conversation. You will understand me from this is Central Eastern Europe. I come from Ukraine and I'm in Western Europe where people are always saying this thing. 
you cannot have both career and family. You need to choose. I'm like, what? <laughs> Excuse me, what? <laughs> the country I come from, we have single mothers with three kids who are teachers. They can do it, and then people can do too. So I think this whole narrative that you cannot do both, it is hard to do both, but if you are, let's say, for example, with a partner or married, however you define it, if you define from the beginning that both ambitions are important, it's a partnership, right? You decide, okay, now I am in the prime. Let's maybe do shifts, right? Because, for example, when we have dogs or we have animals, do we put it all on women? No, we do it together. So why can't we have the same with kids or balancing both family and business? So I think normalizing and showcasing like exactly what you're doing with the She Leader format, that being a female founder, a female leader is completely okay. And you just need support network around you to do it. Because we've been taught so many things which we should not be doing. And learning, unlearning them is the hardest thing I've ever done. I think this is even worse than building a business. Uh, and to complete on what you say, now with the uh, ability to work remotely, it becomes even uh, easier uh, to have flexibility, both partners, and to share the responsibilities uh, in the family uh, if this is uh, the common understanding. My impression is that more and more young men are going into this uh, uh, shared concept and support uh, their partners and uh, uh, we are going in the right direction uh, but still um, actually what uh, we are doing here in Bulgarian Center of Women in Te Technologies we have monthly meetings similarly to the boy clubs uh, <laughs> you playing golf too <laughs> which is uh, in a way, no, it is not restricted because there are interesting topics that are discussed, it is uh, known. Of course, everybody can come also. Uh, sometimes uh, men are coming, but the idea is uh, to have a safe space where women meet more women and that's uh, this informal encouragement, uh, uh, sharing, uh, being this uh, career advice or private advice or making friendships or just uh, having time for yourself uh, where you uh, really uh, are part of a community in addition to role modeling initiatives to mentorship programs to uh, to the events that we are organizing uh, not that uh, that this is something uh, uh, that doesn't exist. You go in a yoga class and you are again in a <laughs> normally in a in a, a female uh, uh, environment. But uh, uh, I personally believe that uh, still is needed for professional women to uh, get this uh, um, the, this uh, special um, programs in accordance to. Uh, to reach uh, sooner this uh, normalized uh, uh, situation that you've been uh, referring to. And uh, of course, not only we think about this, uh, SIFTIT also uh, is identifying uh, female leaders that you named as uh, one of the European female uh, leaders, uh, which uh, besides being uh, Good promotion and it is very reputable of course uh, uh, magazine media 
uh, is also a forum to uh, really uh, spread your initiatives and to reach yeah. out. Tell us a little bit more how they found you and uh, uh, what is your company? Who else is uh, in this uh, in this group? But uh, primarily about you. Oh, I, I actually, when they did it, I didn't know about it, first of all, because <laughs> they asked me, so a journalist who wrote it, she's a, a good connection of Tech to Impact, and she messaged me, like, oh, who are you following on LinkedIn, who would you recommend, and I sent her a bunch of names, like, oh, this is person very interesting about writing, like, reading this, writing this, and you try this, and then when the article goes out, they message me, like, congratulations, you've been listed, I'm like, what? <laughs> No, because we have this insane imposter syndrome and I honestly have no idea how people are fixing it because it's like a big layer of things you need to work for. So I was like, oh no, why am I there? And then you realize that it's actually great to be there uh, because I'm trying to be as loud as vocal as possible about impact tech and about female role models and female leadership uh, to be that example. And this moment for me was like, okay, it means it's working that if you're getting noticed, if you're loud enough, <laughs> And you're getting noticed and it's something which I'm very happy to be part of because I'm first of all in the list I'm surrounded by, by great female also role models and colleagues, one of them being the Bumila also, which is also usually as we, wherever we go, we're like two of us are there, which is amazing. And I think it's super cool because having followed myself a lot of women who use their platform on social media to talk about important stuff and to normalize things which seem to be you know off the books or unnormal to the whole ecosystem. We, I have a lot of interesting connections on LinkedIn who talk about being feminine and how to use it in terms of running business, right? Which is not the topic usually here. Um, and a lot of people who talk about sustainability impact about making positive change. Um, so I definitely think that <laughs> there is a, a lot of fantastic women which I'm very lucky to be surrounded with. And I also got connected with them because of this list with some of them. So I think it's definitely fantastic to do that. I uh, see a question, uh, uh, a, a question from the audience, uh, and uh, I just uh, uh, will postpone a little bit uh, uh, some of my that I have on mind. And it is, uh, what is your advice to overcome the imposter syndrome? Oh, ask me when I will do it. <laughs> I think it's a process. I think it's a process. Um... I think you need to, to, I think the exercise which helps is taking a paper and writing down everything you think about yourself, which is stopping you from making the next move. I don't know, I am not talented enough or I, I should not be there because I have not got this experience. And having those things listed, try to write opposite what is kind of, you know, um, effect against this, this assumptions you have. I have done this, I have tried that, I did this, so everything which you know you did, and then just see how the tiny one line which you cannot do is compared with gigantic thing which you have done already. Um, and I read recently a very interesting article of unlearning things you know about yourself, and I really liked how the author wrote there. She's like, remind yourself who was the first person who, tell, who told you this about you? Was it you? No, then why are you trusting this person? maybe there's something else behind it. So I think this exercise helps a lot. <laughs> but when I will lose it completely, I will let you know. <laughs> it's, it's a battle. <laughs> Definitely. 
it continues uh, all life. I can uh, share it from my own experience. <laughs> yeah, but uh, over the time, of course, uh, uh, you understand that uh, there will be some of the things that maybe will stay forever. But uh, uh, you have learned uh, to build on uh, what you are strong at, to uh, really step on uh, the uh, network encouragement, inspirations that you have, and uh, that at the end of the day, uh, who you are and what your life is, is in your hand and these uh, uh, are your choices. So, uh, takes time though. <laughs> <laughs> uh let me ask you something because you've mentioned a couple of times you're coming from ukraine and um uh, we of course uh, also are part of the uh of the uh, central eastern european uh crew uh and uh, uh within the impact uh tech community uh do you have many uh, companies, many startups uh, from uh, uh, the post-Soviet uh, space, let's put it in that way, although it's a sensitive uh, term even uh, still for some people, uh, and what can be done in a... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, how, uh, if you can make very briefly uh, uh, um, demography of uh, uh, your companies, uh, how the Central Eastern European uh, impact ventures are represented uh, on the platform? We have them, so we have them. So it's not like we don't have them, but of course the percentage is not the majority. Uh, of course the majority is in Dach, in Nordics. Um, this is where, I mean, let's say this way. Um, there is a few components which play into this game. First of all, in general, the development of the tech scene. It's still in the progress for Central Eastern Europe, not because they're not good enough, but there are not a lot of mechanism and, and governmental funding and support to accommodate it. Uh, because in Western Europe, let's be honest, it's more wealthy as a lot of countries are. That's why they're able to, as they call, play entrepreneur in a way to try it out. Where I come from, the whole entrepreneurship, one of the things I need to unlearn is that if you do it, then you're crazy and you do it once. And if it fails, then you're ashamed of the whole family, <laughs> you know, kind of thing from the beginning. And it makes sense because it's a very big risk. The risk level in CE compared to Western Europe is way higher in terms of starting your own business. There is not enough support to back you up in case something goes wrong. So in general, that's why I think a tax in itself in Central Eastern Europe is still developing as an ecosystem. Talent-wise, I think Central Eastern Europe is one of the most talented tech you can find in general in the world. That's why a lot of outsourcing companies work with Central Eastern Europe because there's so much talent. Um, but I think in terms of impact space, it's even more interesting because I think you can see it. The solutions in impact tech, they're as strong as founders have relation to the problem. If you're coming from the Central Eastern Europe, there's unfortunately so many issues you can relate to that you want to fix them. That there is a very strong, I have a problem, I need to find a solution. And I think that what makes founders more qualitative from, from Central Eastern Europe because they know the problem themselves. But as I mentioned to you, the lack of financial support, lack of governmental um, institutions in place to, to help them is influencing overall the development of the ecosystem. 
but we don't have great ones. <laughs> they just don't know, call themselves tech startups yet. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Uh, hopefully, they will grow, and not only from uh, East Central Europe, but uh, also from the developing countries where uh, obviously. Um, they need also one uh, more step uh, and uh, it is related to the education so that you have the basis for people that can even exactly. think uh, to become entrepreneurs but we'll leave this uh, for another uh, event because our time is over and uh, at the very end i want to ask you something that we ask uh, every single guest and this is how you hack yourself oh, I <laughs> myself um Let's say this way. Um, first of all, is understanding your own limits. I think with the harsh lessons I learned that you cannot do everything and you should not do everything. What helps me is prioritization. I'm still trying to master myself in, but I tried a lot of time management things, uh, different frameworks. I mean, the one which works for me the best is uh, per day based on priorities, like P1, P2, like any product development, but it's because of tech background in a way. Uh, to prioritize it. But I think the most important learning is to learn how do you recharge this energy? What is your place of comfort? What's your place of happiness? What's your thing of happiness? So for example, for me, I'm a nature-based person. I live next to a park and whenever it's too much, I just put the good music on and just walk. <laughs> walk around, stare at the water, stare at the plants, trees and everything. It helps to even for half an hour, it helps massively. And I think the second thing is music itself. It helps me a lot to pump myself in the mood if I need something to get myself going or to relax by listening to something calming. Because it's as much as we say music is, is an add-on, it's really influencing your brain capacity and you can do a lot with that. I tried meditation, I tried yoga. I think it's still something I need to learn how to do. But I think one big thing I would tell to all the ladies here, don't try to follow the trends. Listen to your body and your mind and what you want and what makes you happy. Because, you know, this whole you need to meditate or you need to try yoga, which is popular. But if it doesn't work for you, it's fine. <laughs> it's not the big issue. It's not something you need to be ashamed of. But just find your place of strengths. Thank you very much, uh, Sasha. And uh, also for the piece of wisdom that you've shared at the oh. end. And uh, uh, I very much wish uh, all the ladies to follow their intuition and choices and dreams. Uh, uh, not only when relaxing, but when uh, they make uh, all choices in life. Uh, uh, thank you for being such a, a good uh, special guest tonight for and uh, for sharing your experience and uh, also your inspirations. And uh, we'll uh, stay connected. And uh, for those of the audience uh, that want to connect with Sasha, uh, we will be happy to uh, make you uh, linked. So have a nice evening uh, to everybody who is with us uh, tonight and to you, Sasha. Thank uh, you so much for having me. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.